Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Week one in the books for the NFL. Of course, we will go over every game, um, talk about some more than others, because some kind of fell to the back burner, but that's fine. We have a little bit to touch on with every game. Um, before we get into week one, of course, that's going to be a majority of what we are uh, looking to this episode. And then we'll preview Thursday night with my Giants against the Washington football team. So before we get to all that, this weekend in baseball was uh, very, very good. I'm talking specifically with the Mets and Yankees. Both teams in must-win scenarios. Probably the best Subway series that we've had in a while. Both teams playing meaningful games. uh, Trying to make their way into the playoffs. Must-win. The first game was a blowout. Mets kind of steamrolled the Yankees. Game two on September 11th was a slugfest going back and forth. And the Yankees ended up coming out on top of that one. And then, of course, Sunday, things got a little chippy. Um, You have some back and forth between Lindor and Stanton. Uh, Lindor was saying something about whistling or whatever. He went on to say after the press conference that, uh, it wasn't anything too much of a, it, it wasn't anything serious. You know, he has respect for the Yankees, their players. It was just some nice, friendly uh, chatter back and forth. Of course, after Stanton ties the game with his solo home run, he starts chirping at Lindor. And then Baez and Lindor, the two buddies, are walking towards the Yankees' dugout and challenging them to come over back out onto the field. Nothing happens. Whole lot of jawing. But it was nice to see that back and forth, obviously very intense. Um, Lindor got the last laugh and he made his mark on the Mets. He comes out that game on Sunday, hits three home runs, uh, the game winning one being in the bottom of the eighth after the Stanton homer to tie it. Uh, he hits a solo home run to put the Mets back up on top and inevitably the Mets go on to win the game that's his staple moment right there like he's been struggling he hasn't been the guy that is worth 341 million dollars but that that chippiness that um that fire and that charisma that he showed this weekend and obviously the clutchness of hitting three homers to keep the Mets pretty much in that ball game and then put them on top. That is what the Mets and Mets fans can expect from a guy like Francisco Lindor. This year is an outlier year, okay? Last year was weird with COVID, obviously. This year is a bit of an outlier from Lindor. He is a very, very, very good baseball player. Um, and, and this series against the Yankees, he really had some big moments for himself that uh, made him, they had early marks for like his Mets moment, his, his biggest moment in a New York uniform. Um, of course, the Yankees did themselves no favor, losing two out of three to the Mets. The Blue Jays have had an incredible August. And they've came storming back. They actually still might be half a game or a game up on the Yankees for that uh, that second wild card spot because the Yankees just couldn't seem to win. Um, they did have a really clutch win against the 
um, against the Twins in a makeup game, a one-off makeup game. Gary Sanchez with a walk-off in the 10th to win it. So the Yankees are currently actually tied with Boston for that second wildcard spot. The Blue Jays have secured sole possession of the first-place wildcard spot. They are one game ahead of both the Yankees and Boston. Seattle just two games back, and Oakland two and a half back of both Boston and New York. So it's a four-team uh, or a five-team race to the finish for that AL wildcard spot. It's going to be intense. As for the Mets, they're three and a half games back of the Reds for that second wildcard spot. However, they do have San Diego and St. Louis, who are a half game in front of them, and Philadelphia, who's two and a half games in front of them. They do play St. Louis now. Um, they, I believe they actually they lost to St. Louis the other night. Uh, so th- this is a huge, huge series against St. Louis. They lose 7 nothing to St. Louis on Monday after beating the Yankees. Um, they have two more against St. Louis and then three against Philly. So five really important games for the Mets coming up that they must win if they want to keep themselves alive in the wildcard race and in the divisional race. They're five and a half games back in the division. Um, that actually kind of seems out of reach, five and a half. They, they're going to have to try and uh, try their luck with the wildcard spot. They got to hope San Diego... And Cincinnati lose and choke down the stretch, and they got to beat St. Louis these next two games, and then they have to sweep Philly. And then if you, if you somehow manage to do that, if you're the Mets, you put yourself in a fantastic position to finish out the season and get that second wildcard spot. But it's going to take, you have to win, and then it's going to take luck for the other teams in front of you to lose. Um, the Yankees are playing a stretch of games here where they have to go they 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 can't afford to mo- lose more than like one or two games which is asking a lot um the reason why they have not they are not in a a position that they should be in is because of their lack of success against the Orioles this year um they have not dominated the Orioles like the other teams in their divisions Toronto scored 40 runs against the Orioles in three days. 40. They were three outs away from being no hit shut out against the Orioles in a doubleheader, so it was a seven-inning game, and they rattled off 11 runs in a half inning and ended up winning the baseball game. And then the next day, they go up and put up 22 runs against the Orioles. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has already surpassed his father's major league single season home run total of 44. I believe Vlad Jr. now has 45 home runs and also the major league lead. So, I mean, he's... It's it, between him and Otani for AL MVP. I'm, I'm not sure which one they're going to give it to because, you know, obviously everyone goes Gugu Gaga over Otani in that, that dual position he does, the two-way position. But Vlad Jr. is... um. He's unbelievable, man. He is unbelievable. But the Yankees have a three-game set against Baltimore, three games against Cleveland, three more against Texas. Those games are must-win. Those are three bad teams that you need to go in and you need to win. At li- I mean, you can't lose more than three games. 
if you if you take two out of three from each of those three teams, that would be okay. You can't lose more than three games. You simply cannot. And then you have six more games against. You have six games in a row here. Three against Boston. Three against Toronto. And then three against the other three against Tampa, which that'll matter only in the fact that uh, they're going to have to win so they don't fall back in the race. But obviously, divisional-wise, the, the divisional race is over. Um, so you round out the last nine games of the season against your divisional opponents. You need to win those two. Let's be frank here. Um, you can't lose more than six games the rest of the year. If they lose more than six games, I, I know that's, it's a tall ask, but if, if they lose more than six games the rest of the year, they're, they're screwed. So that's your baseball wrap-up. Um, they had a, a beautiful 9-11 ceremony on uh, Saturday. And the Mets and Yankees playing, of course. It, it was awesome. They were wearing their NYPD and FDNY hats that they are now officially allowed to wear. Because MLB, for whatever reason, wouldn't let them for like almost two decades. Um, it was nice. It, it was a great, great tribute. Um, Piazza was there. Todd Zeal, a bunch of other former Mets who led uh, the charge, obviously, in the aftermath of 9-11 in trying to restore normalcy to New York. Uh, Joe Torre and Bobby Valentine threw out the first pitch. That was really cool. Um, Bobby looks great. Bobby Valentine looks great. Tori, uh, starting to show his age a little bit, but still looks great. Um, Jeter, of course, got inducted into the Hall of Fame last week as well. That was incredible. Obviously, I watched every second of that. I should have been there, but COVID messed everything up, so I'm a little pissed. I went to his last game. I went to his jersey retirement at Yankee Stadium. I should have been at Cooperstown. And I had the hotel booked and everything. And then COVID happened. We rescheduled it. And then they pushed it back again from June or July, whatever it was, to when it happened on a Wednesday in September. So I couldn't go, which sucked. But that was wonderful. Um, so it was a good week for baseball. It really was. And that all led up to, of course, week one of the NFL. So Thursday night, we get the defending champion, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers against the Dallas Cowboys. It was a shootout. It was a shootout. And Dallas had a chance to win, but they just straight up left too much time on the clock for uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And it's a tale as old as time. They left over a minute, maybe close to, I think it was close to a minute and a half left on the clock for Brady. And, um... They marched down the field with one timeout, marched down the field, game-winning field goal, uh, game over. Bucks win 31-29. to Dak looked really good. That Cowboys offense looked really good. Um, Brady and Dak combined for 770 or 782 yards and seven touchdowns. Brady actually threw two picks, not to any fault of his own. Dak threw a pick. Um, the... Rushing attack for Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know, man. Um, not many carries, 11 carries, 33 yards. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the run game's like for, for Dallas, but it kind of looks like it, it's non-existent. <laughs> Let's be real. Cooper had a day, Amari Cooper, 13 catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns. Antonio Brown led the Buccaneers in receiving, so AB is back 
five catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown for AB. Sunday's games. Um, we had an incredible Monday night game, by the way, and we will obviously save that for last. But Sunday's games, we'll start with the Jets and Giants. Obviously, the Giants played at 425, Jets played at 1. Um, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I'm not going in order, but obviously Jets and Giants are the most important in my market, of course. The Jets, we'll start with them because I actually have some good things to say about them. Um, I like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson actually had the best day of any rookie quarterback that was playing. This week, this first week of the season. Um, now, the Jets started off pretty, pretty awful. Um, <laughs> they, they were horrendous to start the game. Um, shut out 16-0 at the half. But they, they kind of pieced it together a bit towards the end. They still ended up losing 19-14. to But only three... Second half points allowed to the Panthers, and they actually had some scoring drives that they were able to put together. Uh, Zach Wilson was kind of all over the place, but 20 to 37, 258 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He showed signs, um, good mobility. Kid's got a cannon for his arm, uh, very, very, very strong arm. Um, he had one pretty impressive touchdown where he was scrambling, uh, ended up rolling out to his right, throws on the run to an open Corey Davis in the end zone. Good throw, good catch from him and Davis, who was able to get free and buy some time and get, an, and get open for Zach Wilson. So they had a good connection there. Davis actually had uh, two touchdowns, five catches, 97 yards, and two touchdowns for Corey Davis, who is now, for the first time in his life, or for the first time in his NFL career, uh, wide receiver one. So I, I would say it's pretty promising for, for Zach Wilson. Uh, bad news, the Jets' offensive line isn't that good, and Mekhi Becton got hurt. He's going to be out for a few weeks. He needs to get, I believe it was surgery for some cartilage that got loose in his knee, um, or maybe it was just an MCL sprain. Uh, something he's going to be out for a few weeks, so missing him clearly a huge blow for the Jets and their offensive line, which already wasn't really that good. Um, Zach Wilson might have to be running for his life. Sam Darnold looked good in his in his debut as a Panther, 24, 35, 279 yards, and a touchdown. McCaffrey had 21 carries and 98 yards, and also nine catches for 89 yards. So he was a leading receiver and rusher, not uncommon for Christian McCaffrey. Darnold and Robbie Anderson hooked up for a big TD. Um, Darnold, I'm happy for Darnold, man. I'm I'm happy for Sam Darnold. I think he's gonna have a good time in Carolina. I know that. Um. I, I don't think the Panthers are going to be a, a uh, you know, a playoff team or anything like that. But I do think Sam Darnold is going to, he's going to have a real chance to show what he's capable of. He's never had the kind of offensive weapons he's had before with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and especially Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers' defense is better than whatever the Jets put out year after year with Darnold under center. So I'm happy for Sam Darnold. And the Panthers, they, they, they'll compete. 
You know, they'll compete. They'll they'll certainly, at the very least, spoil some team seasons uh, it, for a, a playoff spot, you know? I, again, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they will be a team that, you know, a team might come in and be like, oh, we're playing the Panthers, and they'll take a little, they take them a little too lightly, and the Panthers will win. You know, they have weapons. They will, they could put up points. As for the Giants, I saw um, very little promise here for the Giants. Um, final score was 27 to 13 against Denver, but that is including a rushing touchdown from Daniel Jones as the game clock expired. So really it was 27 to 7. Uh, Jones, not impressive. 22 of 37, 267 yards and a touchdown. Teddy Bridgewater actually ended week one with the highest QB rating. Uh, he was 28 of 36, 264 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, Danny, Danny, Danny. Um, the offensive line was not great, especially against the run. Melvin Gordon had 11 carries, 101 yards and a touchdown, including a 70 yard. TD run. Um, I still like the defense. I don't necessarily blame them for giving up like a big run like that to Melvin Gordon. The Broncos absolutely dominated time of possession. Um, the Giants offense couldn't really, they, they had maybe three drives that they were able to string together. One ended in Jones scrambling, which was nice to see, running for a first down, which was nice to see, and then diving forward and getting stripped. Attempting to cover the ball and doing a real poor job of protecting it. Fumbles, of course, another fumble to add on to his career total, and it was recovered by the Broncos. Drive ended. The Giants' defense was on the field a lot. They were gassed. They were tired. I don't blame them. If the Giants' offense gets better and can stay on the field, then the defense would be, will be elite. But if they're forced to be on the field every five minutes because the offense keeps going three and out, then, you know, they're going to get tired and they're going to get cooked. It happens not just with the Giants. That how, that's how football works. Um, if you dominate the time of possession, you're probably going to win. Broncos were better than expected, for sure. Uh, that defense is elite. Von Miller is back. He's in really, really good, good shape. He looked great. Um, the Giants offensive line, of course, horrific, uh, you know, definitely better than week one last year against the Steelers. And, um, I, I would say they've certainly improved, but that doesn't mean they're, they're good. You know, they're, they're still a bad offensive line. Um, Andrew Thomas had a pretty good day. All things considered, Von Miller was really working on the right side of the line, including a complete. I think it was Pert, um, a complete blown uh, blocking assignment where Von Miller went in untouched from the right side of the line and uh, sacked Daniel Jones. Untouched. It, I, I know it's a common mistake to forget to block the Super Bowl MVP all-pro linebacker. I know that's a common mistake. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, some positives. Saquon Barkley played football. Uh, he didn't really do much. 10 carries for like 30 yards or whatever. So not a whole lot of volume, but it was good to see him out there, not be afraid of, of contact, of making cuts. 
He played football. Obviously, if you want to establish a run game and any sort of uh, rushing attack, you need to give Saquon Barkley the ball more. Uh, uh, you know, 10 carries isn't going to do it, uh, especially with how Daniel Jones plays. Again, the offensive line isn't that good, so it's kind of hard to maybe try and get Barkley going, but you have to try and establish a run. Um, but seeing Barkley out there again, obviously, huge positive for the Giants. Uh, Kenny, Dal Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard. Galladay playing his first game as a Giant. Four catches for 60-something yards, I believe. And he had th three of those catches were very impressive. Um, one, he ripped away from, I forget who was the defensive back guard. It might have been Fuller. Um, it might have been, no, Harris isn't on the team anymore. I don't know who it was. A defensive back for Denver. Caught it and ripped it away from him for a catch. And then another one was a little out in front. Reached out, snagged it right on his fingertips, and brought it in. Very impressive catches from Galladay. Uh, he's got great hands. When the ball was thrown to him, he made some, some good catches. So, he was a bright spot. And Sterling Shepard, having a th the only touchdown of the game, um, it was a 30-plus yard reception where he ran it in for a touchdown. Seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown for Sterling Shepard. He seemed to be Daniel Jones's, uh go-to third down option, which is nice that he has that, uh, that chemistry and that trust in Sterling Shepard to be that guy. Uh, I would love to, I love Sterling Shepard. I want him, I want to see him have uh, a good season. Uh, and he certainly had a good first game. And then we went over the bads. Uh, Joe Judge inexplicably throwing a challenge flag after a scoring play by Denver because he thought the guy was out of bounds. The officials reviewed it. They call it a touchdown. And whether he threw it or, at, or you know, someone on his sideline was yelling at him to throw the flag, throw the flag, throw the flag, he threw the flag. Um, obviously, an a unacceptable mistake. I don't care if you're a rookie coach, second-year coach. Um, a 10-year vet, you know, you can't make that mistake as a head coach. So the Giants not only obviously were not allowed to challenge the scoring play, uh, they were also charged a timeout. And at the time, the score was 17-7. to That's a very winnable game. Clearly, it, it, the, the final score indicates that it didn't really matter. But that's a winnable game. And I think it happened in the third quarter, so you immediately just completely completely waste one of your second half time timeouts early on in the second half on an asinine decision that simply can't happen and it, it pisses me off because I like Joe Judge I think he impressed he impressed a lot of Giants fans he impressed a lot of people last year um he got these guys to play hard for him every single game no matter the circumstances uh they went on like a four game winning streak which is really nice that they had um, there were, there were positives that they took away from last year heading into this year, but this was a, a really poor week one performance in and out. Um, the players on the field, Joe Judge as a coach, Jason Garrett is fucking horrific and I want him as far away from the, I never wanted him in the Giants organization. I watched him for years in Dallas as a Giants fan. I know what he's about. I'm not talking out of my ass. He sucks. He flat out fucking sucks. And he's uncreative, he's not original, he's predictable, 
and he, he he's a terrible play caller, man. He's a pl- terrible play caller. Kadarius Tony, a guy that we drafted in the first round, by far a, a a horrendous first game for him because he had two catches for negative two yards, and they never he never stepped foot on the field again. I don't think I saw him once after the after the first like two drives. He's a playmaker that you have to get in space. Jason Garrett is not smart enough or creative creative enough to get someone like Kadarius Tony plays where he can get in space. He is simply not the guy to do that for Tony. He's going to be wasted under Jason Garrett. And I'm not even exaggerating in the slightest. Uh, Jason Garrett sucks. He needs to be fired. The Houston Texans put up 37 points with Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback. No offense to Tyrod Taylor. But the Houston Texans, a team that was not good last year, even with Deshaun Watson, and a team that was not expected to be good this year. Granted, they were playing the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars, but they put up 37 points. The Giants have never put up 37 points with Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. He's horrible. He is horrible. Giants play Thursday against the Washington football team. I'm just going to preview that game now. Um, Both teams 0-1. Washington loses Ryan Fitzpatrick. They place him on IR with a uh, a hip injury. So it's Taylor Heineke is going to be the guy for Washington moving forward unless they end up signing someone in free agency. Who knows? Um, Robert Griffin Griffin III posted on his Instagram, make the call, and him in his Washington jersey. Um, Who knows if that happens? I doubt it. Maybe they sign Cam. I doubt that as well. Uh, but they play Thursday night. Giant. I'm not going to say it's a, it's a must win for the Giants because it's week two. But they can't lose this game. Uh, you have the Washington backup with Taylor Heineke. You need, you need this win. You need this win. By the way, the Giants have lost their opening week. I think it was... Uh, Five of the last six seasons, six of the last seven seasons, maybe, uh, but 10 of the last 11 overall. Horrendous. Have not been 1-0 in 10 of the last 11 years. Not great. Moving on to the rest of the league. Let's start from the top. Eagles, Falcons. Eagles dominated. Jalen Hurts looked really good. Uh, Devontae Smith. Good uh, debut. He should have been a giant, but he wasn't. Eagles cucked us. Six receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown for Devontae Smith. Actually, all first-round wide receivers, aside from Tony, scored a touchdown. Waddle, Smith, and Jamar Chase all had a touchdown in their pro debuts. Kadarius Tony, horrendous debut stat line. But Hurts, Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he looked really good because he is really good or because they were playing the Falcons. I think it might be a little bit of both. Um, three touchdowns on 264 yards in the air for Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be happy. 32-6 to six to open up the year. That, that's impressive. Steelers-Bills. Steelers go into Buffalo and beat Josh Allen. That Steelers defense was hounding him. All game, Steelers win 23-16. Their offense, a bit iffy, for sure. But they get the job done uh, enough to take down the Bills, who were obviously 
Uh, everyone was super high on coming into this year. They start out 0-1. Not too worried about them, though. Uh, I think Josh Allen still poised to have a, a great, a great uh, year three. What is it? Year four? Uh, year three, I think it is, for him. Um, yeah, I, I still expect big things from Josh Allen. Um, and Big Ben did just enough and made just enough plays to uh, pull out that win. Bengals-Vikings, first overtime game of the year. Of course, Bengals, they love going into overtime. I thought it might have ended in a tie a little bit, but Joe Burrow had a nice game, his first game since uh, completely blowing out his knee. He goes 20-27, 261 yards and two touchdowns. Joe Mixon had a really impressive week one, 29 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown for Joe Mixon. He was running all over the Vikings D. Jamar Chase, the rookie, and Joe Burrow's buddy who uh, got drafted by the Bengals. The first pick by them in last year's draft. Uh, Five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown for Jamar Chase. So, him and Burrow hooking up for some uh, some big plays. They had, uh, obviously, they have a chemistry already from their playing days in college. So that seems to have already been translating to the NFL. As for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, uh, 20 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Thielen had a really nice day, 9 catches, 92 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Kirk Cousins sucks. Don't let this stat line fool, fool you. 36 for 49, 351 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Do not let that fool you. He is horrible. He is horrible. I'm so sick. Of Kirk Cousins, yo. Like, he, he, he stinks. He just flat out fucking stinks. Um, and the Vikings will ne- Mark, th- like, this is not even me making, like, a, a hot take or, or, or a, a powerful statement. This is just common sense. The Vikings will never win anything with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. He is just so, they paid him so much goddamn money, they can't get rid of him. It would, it would be, like, financially, it would be fiscally, that's the word, fiscally irresponsible for the Vikings to get rid of Kirk Cousins with how much money they owe him. They're sent, they're just, they stuck. They, they fucked themselves. They're stuck with Kirk Cousins. They paid him too much goddamn money. Uh, Bengals are 1-0. I'm happy about it. Go Bengals. 49ers, Lions. This game was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> the Lions... Recovered an onside kick. They made it really, really close in the end, but the Niners ended up hanging on 41 to 33. Garoppolo kind of had a whatever Garoppolo kind of day, like the Niners. Really, the rushing attack is what uh, Elijah Mitchell had 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Raheem Mostert went down with an injury. He's now on IR. Debo Samuels had a crazy game nine catches, 189 yards, and a touchdown for Samuel. TJ Hawkinson. Had a really good day. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift both had good days for the Lions. And uh, Jared Goff, not bad debut. 38 of 57, 338 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw one pick. But, uh, you know, for Dan Campbell and the Lions, uh, they were down big. They, They were down big, and they fought 16 points in the fourth quarter, including an onside kick recovery, fighting tooth and nail until the clock hits triple zeros. That's what Dan Campbell said that they were uh, going to be about and how they were going to play this year, and that's exactly what they did. And they they did lose 
And they were, up until the very end, dominated um, by the 49ers and their running attack. But I, that's some positive signs. You know, I, I want Jared Goff to succeed. Um, I feel bad for the, uh, the shit he got in Los Angeles. But being in Detroit now, um, obviously a lot less pressure on him to uh, succeed. But he is a guy who, he led his team to a Super Bowl. You know, he was the starting quarterback of a Super Bowl team. Um, Detroit has a good backfield with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Two guys who can run the football and are also very good receiving backs. Um, I, I, I don't hate Detroit, you know. I, I think that they're a team that's going to very much like how they played the 49ers this week they're going to fight tooth and nail and they're going to give you headaches um they may not win a whole lot of games but i think they're going to uh be competitive in a lot of their games cardinals titans uh this game was a surprise the cardinals dominated tennessee flat out dominated 38 to 13 um Derrick Henry did a whole lot of nothing. 17 carries, 58 yards. Tannehill was pretty bad as well. 21 to 35 or 212 yards, a TD and an interception. No passing attack. Julio Jones was a non-factor. Derrick Henry was a non-factor. The Titans just could not do anything offensively. Chandler Jones had five sacks. Um, he was incredible. Like, just flat out incredible. Taylor Luan actually tweeted out after the game or like the next day, whatever it was, uh, he got smoked. He's like, man, there's no two ways to go about it. I got absolutely smoked by Chandler Jones. Um, thanks for exposing me and forcing me to get better, which, okay, like whatever you want to, at least he's aware he got smoked and Taylor Luan is a, is a good, he's a good offensive lineman and he, he got, um, he got wrecked by Chandler Jones. Like, Chandler Jones went nuclear in week one. So he had a day. Kyler Murray, of course, had a day. Five touchdowns for him, one rushing, four throwing. Uh, Hopkins had some pretty impressive catches and uh, also run after catches that game, too. So Arizona, very impressive in their week one win over Tennessee. Seahawks, Colts, this game was kind of on the back burner for me, but Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson does, casually throwing for four touchdowns. Tyler Lockett had a nice day, four catches, 100 yards, and two TDs. Chris Carson rushed for 91 yards. Uh, Carson Wentz was kind of just like panic mode all over the place. He's the same Carson Wentz. Um, I actually thought he was going to be out a couple weeks. I'm pretty sure that was the report. And then I guess I must have missed when they said, hey, just kidding, because he was the week one starter. And for some reason, I was completely caught off guard by that. But he didn't surprise me. You know, he's still the same Carson Wentz he was with the Eagles. Still the same Carson Wentz. Um, they went 28-16. Russell Wilson was 18-23. Super efficient. Um, yeah, Seahawks. The Seahawks looked real good. They looked real good. Chargers, Washington. Um, Herbie almost kind of threw this away for uh, Los Angeles, but they ended up winning 20-16. to uh, This game... Of course, not great for Washington. You lose Ryan Fitzpatrick. He goes to the IR with a hip injury. Now you're forced to deal with Taylor Heineke. Um, there was some hope there with Washington, of course. The gunslinging Fitzpatrick. You have Terry McLaurin. Um, that kind of seemed like a good recipe. Antonio Gibson 
emerged as a very good running back last year. You have him. You think the offense might be pretty potent to go with your already good defense, and you lose Fitzpatrick in the first week. So now you're forced with Taylor Heineke. It, it stinks if you're Washington. Um, if you're a fan, if you're on the team, bit of a a, a morale killer for sure. But uh, Los Angeles holds on to win. Keenan Allen, nine catches, 100 yards for him. Again, Herbie made some mistakes, but he uh, ended up winning the game. So Chargers, 1-0, Washington, 0-1. Jaguars, Texans, I mentioned this briefly. Texans hung up 37 on the Jags. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, his debut, he was uh, horrendous. 28 of 51, 332 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. A couple of them just uh, inexplicable interceptions. Um, There were already reports after the game um, and the next day that Urban Meyer's heart isn't in it, and he was considering about stepping down as the head coach of the Jaguars. No developments on that. Could easily be just rumors, but... Pretty embarrassing, nonetheless. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you are not at Clemson anymore, my man. You have to kind of figure it out and be a bit more efficient with how you throw the football because he was all over the place and he had a a, a bad day. Just just flat out, not a good day for for Trevor Lawrence. Um, first time he's ever lost a regular season game. Um, never lost in high, never lost in high school, never lost in college. Regular season games. Obviously, he lost a playoff game. Um, Yeah, so tough pill to swallow probably for Trevor Lawrence. Browns-Chiefs, this game was intense. Browns dominated the entire time until uh, they didn't. (laughs) So going into the half, obviously, the the Browns were up, and then the Chiefs outscored the Browns in the second half, 23-7, and ended up winning 33-29. But Cleveland... You blew it. However, lot to hang your hat on. Um, you 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 had a a good good game. You go into Kansas City. You oh you probably should have beat the Chiefs, but you you know it, it happens. They are Kansas City. Um, and that that's that's a it sucks that you lost it. But think you you one score game. Uh, against Kansas City at home, you were winning. Almost the entire time. A lot of positives to come out of week one. It's, it's a, what we call a good loss. Um, and I think the Browns, of course, are going to be very good this year. Uh, Kansas City is probably the only team in the NFL that could have made the comeback that they did. And that rushing attack for uh, Cleveland is obviously very potent. Um, Chubb had two TDs. I think Kareem Hunt had a touchdown. Yeah, so they are, uh, they're, they're very, they're very good, Cleveland. I like them a lot. And then the Chiefs going to Chief. Dolphins, Patriots, Mac Jones with a, aside from his first career pass, which I think was like some weird backwards pass that he kind of threw into the ground. Uh, good debut for Mac Jones, 29 to 39, 281 yards and a touchdown. Um, Patriots lose the game by one, but if you're a Patriots fan, you gotta like what you saw from Mac Jones. You have you have to like you have to like what you saw from him. He he played really well, and the Patriots should be excited about what they have with him. 
Uh, as for the Dolphins, you might be a little worried about what you have with Tua. Uh, just inconsistent. Um, he, he scares, he scares me. Tua scares me. Um, he, he's got to, like I said, he's just got to be more consistent. But in the end, Miami is 1-0 and New England is 0-1. So you got the win. But uh, if, you're not, if you're going up against pretty much anyone other than another rookie quarterback, like the Dolphins were, you probably lose that football game. Um, Dolphins defense, however, still very good. Xavier Howard, very good. Saints Packers, Aaron Rodgers just decided not to show up. Um, two interceptions, and he got yanked in the fourth quarter. To, and, and the Saints win 38-3. to Jameis Winston, 14 completions. Five touchdowns, 148 yards. That's a fucking stat line. Kamara, 20 carries, 83 yards. 20 carries for Alvin Kamara. That is uh, unusual. Dating back to last year, you know, he only went from 10 to 15 carries a game and had a lot of receptions, but uh, 20 carries for 83 yards for Kamara. He had a nice game. Um, Winston, man, man, 148 yards and five, five touchdowns for Jameis Winston. That's insane. But they throttled. The Packers. So good start for the Saints and Jameis. Sunday night game was a wash from the beginning. Um, Rams and the Bears. Uh, Justin Fields was in for kind of weird gimmick plays. He did score a rushing touchdown, uh, but Dalton stinks. Uh, David Montgomery is really good, and the Bears defense is not good anymore. That's essentially what we got. Chicago's not going to be good. Justin Fields probably going to be playing by week three or four, is my guess. The Rams, however, are good. Um, granted, again, they were playing the Bears, who I just said weren't good, but I do like the Rams. 20-26, 321 yards and three touchdowns for Matt Stafford, including a bomb to... Who was it? Um, I don't remember who he threw, he threw to, but he th threw a, a nice pass downfield after a turnover in the red zone by the Bears. Uh, Daryl Henderson, efficient, 16 carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, 7 catches, 108 yards and a touchdown. Stafford looks great, and he looks like what, more importantly, as someone who likes Matt Stafford and has felt bad that he had to spend his entire career in Detroit up until now, um, Stafford looks like he's having fun. Uh, the Rams, I think McVay is ecstatic to have someone like Matt Stafford as his quarterback now. No offense to Jared Goff. Um, and the Rams, that defense is fucking crazy still. Um, and their offense, they, they just look like they're having fun. They look like they're going to have and are having a lot of fun this year. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl with the acquisition of Matt Stafford. Monday night game. This shit was crazy. Raiders, Ravens. Raiders come out 33-27 to in overtime. Uh, Lamar Jackson seemed really concerned with... He, he didn't seem like the same Lamar who was like MVP Lamar where using his legs. He didn't... I mean, he rushed 12 carries for 86 yards. That, that's good. But it, it just felt like he was so concerned with trying to show everyone that he could be like a pocket quarterback. That's kind of the vibe I got from Lamar. Um, Derek Carr, 34-56, 435 yards and two touchdowns for Derek Carr. Darren Waller, he targeted Darren Waller 19 times. Waller had 10 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Happy birthday, by the way, Darren Waller. And 
Uh, the Raiders, they made some mistakes. They Derek Carr, they he looked really, really bad at times. Missed some really easy completions. But in the end, uh, they got the W after a wild overtime where they were supposed to win on this a bomb of a throw um, by Carr. A dime of a throw, really, by Derek Carr. And a hell of a catch. They end up coming short. They get stuffed at the goal line, and then it gets picked, deflected and picked off by the Ravens. And then Lamar, strip sack fumble, and uh, the Raiders end up winning on a wide-open touchdown toss by Carr. So a game they should have won earlier. After mistakes by the Ravens, they end up winning anyway. Fun fact for my fantasy football team, I was down 50. I was down 140 to 90, full PPR. Uh, I was down 140 to 90 going into Monday Night Football. I had Lamar Jackson and Darren Waller. At the end of regulation and going into overtime, I was up 0.85 points. 140.85 to 140. And the game should have been over. Should have been over at... at the, the Ravens should have won at the end of regulation, but they blew it. And Derek Carr and the Raiders, credit to them for two plays, you know, 30 seconds, no timeouts, and they end up getting a field goal out of it. Um, so should have ended there. It didn't go into overtime should have ended with the Raiders after gay got possession. Um, it didn't. And that led to, of course, Lamar getting strip sacked and losing the football. I got minus two points and I ended up losing 138.85 to 140. So, uh, that was fucking horrible. Probably the worst fantasy loss. The second worst fantasy loss I've ever seen. The first one being my friend who was up going to the night. He had Dalton as his quarterback. Uh, he got him negative points and then uh, got injured or benched and he ended up losing the game. So that is in a league of its own. But this one was uh, pretty fucking horrific. It was, it was pretty horrible. Um, I felt like shit. Fantasy rips your heart out, man. That, was, that sucked. That, that truly, truly, truly sucked for me. But the Ravens, that's a tough loss, man, for Lamar and the Ravens. That, that is a game that you had, and the Raiders just kept making mistakes, and you should have taken advantage, and you just didn't. Uh, credit to the Raiders, but also, you gotta look at Baltimore and be like, what happened? Um, that offensive line didn't look good. Um, the Raiders' defensive line did look good. And... The Ravens' defense looked horrific. I mean, Derek Carr was lighting them up, man. They, the Raider, and they couldn't stop Darren Waller. Could not stop Darren Waller for the fucking, if their lives depended on it. Now, he's very, very good, obviously, and Derek Carr loves targeting him, clearly. But, they, I mean, they, they couldn't stop him. Could not stop him. Uh, some fun facts about week one. The entire NFC North lost. Uh, Green Bay lost to the Saints. Detroit lost to the 49ers. The Vikings lost to the Bengals. And the Bears lost to the Rams. Um, the entire West division, both AFC and NFC, they all, all uh, of those teams won their games. Um, and those, that, that's it for the fun facts. In terms of rookie quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, uh, those four guys, two of them started, Wilson and Lawrence. Lawrence, I think, had the worst of, the, of those two. I think he had, a, he had a bad day. 
Zach Wilson showed some promise. Um, again, wasn't great, but he didn't throw three interceptions, you know? So, I'll take Zach, like Zach Wilson there. He looked good. Trevor Lawrence did not. He's got to figure it out a little bit. As for Trey Lance and Justin Fields, they were both used in like some type of gimmick packages for their teams. Both of them had rushing touchdowns uh, in their debut. I, as far as it looks to me, I, I don't really think Garoppolo, is, again, he's not a guy who's going to lose you football games. Um, he's a, a field manager, and, and he isn't really what relied on in Shanahan's offense. Um, he makes short throws. They run a classic West Coast offense. They run the ball a lot with a lot of different running backs. So Garoppolo is not going to be the guy, but also I don't think he's going to play poorly enough to where um, he did fumble his first snap, which was pretty funny, but I don't think he's going to play poorly enough to where people are going to be screaming for Trey Lance to uh, be the guy under center. Bad news on their front, by the way. Uh, Raheem Mostert, he's on the IR. I mentioned that. And uh, Jason Verrett, their quarterback, torn Achilles or torn ACL, one of the two. Uh, he's done. So that sucks for their defense, obviously. As for the Bears, I said I think Justin Fields is probably starting week three or four. Um, I don't think it's any later than that because Dalton, I mean, if it wasn't, <laughs> everyone under the sun knows that Andy Dalton is not the answer for Chicago. It's Justin Fields, and he should be the guy that is the starting quarterback, but for some reason, the, the Bears signed Andy Dalton and promised him the starting job, and then, oh, wait, what's this? We can draft Justin Fields? Yeah, let's do that. Oh, but we promised Andy Dalton that he was the starter, so I guess he has to be the starter, which is so stupid because, I mean, listen, you, he's, Andy Dalton's a veteran. He knows how the game works, man. His time has come and passed. You sit him down and you tell him, listen, you're going to be the backup. I know we said you're going to be the starter, but uh, you're not going to be the starter anymore because we had a chance to draft this kid who we didn't think we were going to have an opportunity to draft. He kind of fell into our laps when the Giants traded back. And now we have Justin Fields. So, sorry. <laughs> this is, that's how football works, man. Like, Andy Dalton is not good enough to be a starting quarterback on a team that is trying to compete or at least improve, you know? The Bears are going, if, if, the, if Andy Dalton played a full 16, 17 games now, if Andy Dalton played a full season for the Bears, they would undoubtedly be worse than when they had Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. I don't think that's even a question. So, uh, week three or four, that, that's it. That curtains for Andy Dalton. Maybe even after, uh, well, after week two would be week three, so I technically would be right. Um... Who knows? Ah, maybe halfway through week two, they say fuck it and they put Justin Fields in. Um, but brutal, brutal um, for the Bears. They just they got they have no business being on any nationally televised games. They're that bad. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about a lot of teams. To be honest with you, uh, the Giants are on Thursday against Washington. Thank God they're playing Washington, a team that's probably that that is definitely in the same tier as them as far as talent and what to expect from them this year so them being on Thursday night divisional game uh it is the first Thursday night or the second Thursday night game of the season so yeah you don't you go from Bucks and Cowboys which is a, was a really good Thursday night game uh and you're coming off Raiders 
Ravens on Monday night. Now you got Giants Washington. It's gonna kind of be a, it's probably gonna be a shit shit show um on Thursday. But hopefully the Giants can pull out a W because they really fucking need one, man. Daniel Jones, do not turn the goddamn ball over. Uh that that Washington defensive line is really good, but I would like to see them try to establish a running game with Saquon, if possible. I know that's asking for a lot, but whatever. Fantasy wise, um, here is my team, by the way. I don't know if I ever went over. This is my, my big boy league. Lamar, Derrick Henry, Daryl Henderson, Lockett, McLaurin, Waller, Galladay, and the Steelers defense. Everyone scored over 10 points. Uh, the two guys who really disappointed me, of course, Lamar Jackson, who got me to a winning position yesterday and then uh, took it away by getting strip sacked. So I'm a little pissed at him. Um, but Derrick Henry obviously getting completely shut down was not great. But, I mean, Henderson, if you read, read off the totals. The, uh, I played a kid. He put up 140, which is good. He had Russ, Mike Davis, Mixon, Evans, Diggs, Hawkinson, Juju, and the football team defense. Um, so his team had a good, good game. Mike Evans, obviously not good. Good week, I should say. But Lamar screwed me, man. This is gross just even looking at it. Derrick Henry only getting 10.7 wasn't great. Henderson had a TD. He had 15.7. Lockett at 26. McLaurin at 10. Uh, Waller at 26. Galladay at 10. The Steelers' defense had 14. Like, my team played pretty well. Like, I'm not mad at really anyone. I'm disappointed at Lamar and Derrick Henry. But uh, it, it it needs to be noted that I got, uh, I got screwed. That sucked, man. That really sucked. I, I can't believe I lost that week or this week. This is, that was horrible. That was a horrible experience to watch. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all very much for listening. We will be back next Wednesday. Uh, I know I was saying yesterday for Monday Night Football. It's because I'm recording this on Tuesday. I, you guys probably picked that up on, on that. Um, but thank you all for listening. Enjoy your weekends. Um, Week two of the NFL coming at you. And I will talk to you all next Wednesday. Dropping the wool, we come with you.